The Incomparable. Number 491. December 2019. Welcome back, everybody, to The Incomparable. I'm your host, Jason Snell, and it's uh, it's the holiday season, and I'd like to tell you a little story. Once upon a time at the North Pole, Santa was there, and there were a lot of elves, and one of them was Bob Newhart. Uh, Santa was Ed Asner, by the way, but there was a little uh, there was a little uh, surprise in a, in Santa's uh, bag, and it was uh, it was Will Ferrell, but he was small then, but then he got bigger. Yes, we're going to talk about Elf from 2003. Are you sure? Because you could have just described like seven different movies, <laughs> and there was stop motion animation of a of a snowman. Oh, now it's thirty movies. Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Uh, but this one in particular has uh, Bob Newhart and and uh, Will Ferrell and, uh, of course, Ed Asner as Santa Claus, the most perfect casting of all time. So, Elf. Elf is it. We're going to talk about Elf. It's a modern Christmas movie classic. I love it, and I want to talk about it here in the holiday season. Our continuing saga of trying to come up with something to talk about during the holidays before <laughs> Star Wars movies are released. You know, it's a challenge. <laughs> <laughs> so let me let me introduce the people who are going to talk about Elf with me. Annette Weirstra is here. Hello. Hello. I am here with a nice warm cup of syrup and ready to be all sugared up with y'all. No? All right. You're, you're going to be on the nice list. You're on brand for Canada. Good job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is maple syrup. Steve Lutz is here. Uh, Steve Lutz, uh, welcome to the mailroom. Oh, hello. You're, uh, you're probably here about the... Uh, Story. First line, people. Okay. It's the first line of the oh, yeah, film. Yeah, Bob Newhart. Yeah, right. I got it. I got it. You were being Bob Newhart yeah, there. I Thanks. get it. I got it. I got it. Jason, it's quite a bold move to pull this thing out of the incomparable holiday all vault all. and discuss it all on its own. I'm, you know, it's 500 episodes, Steve. I'm out of ideas. <laughs> uh, Erica Ensign is here. Erica, the yellow ones don't stop. Hey, Jason. So good news. I saw a dog today. Actually, I saw three dogs today. I am so blessed. Why is your coat so big? Oh, oh, look, it's Mr. Narwhal. No, that's not Mr. Narwhal. It's Brian Hamilton. Hello. Oh, does somebody need a hug? <laughs> um, I'm running out of references, but Joe Steele is also here. Hi, Joe. You smell like beef and cheese. You don't smell like Santa. <laughs> and uh, Kathy Campbell, is that you singing a duet in the shower all by yourself? <laughs> yes, I just like to smile. Smiling's my favorite. <laughs> all right. Uh, Elf is a movie. Uh, I think we've done all the references, so good night, everybody. <laughs> I have a feeling we'll find a few more over the course of the next hour or so. You sit on a throne of lies, Jason. That's not all the references. I've got a couple highlighted. I'm I suspect ready. it's it's possible. Um, I could I could walk through the plot of this, but um, first, I, I guess I should ask, are there any opening statements about Elf? I don't even know what they would be. <laughs> sure. I've, I've got one. Okay. Uh, it's, it's sort of more of a personal opening statement i i don't like will ferrell very much and i am not generally a fan of wacky comedies or modern christmas movies and yet and yet i love the crap out of this movie i happened to be like cleaning my little apartment when i lived by myself and i was in the middle of some task where i couldn't change the channel when it switched over from from one movie to the next and elf was starting and i was just like oh god no this is that will ferrell movie no but i couldn't stop because whatever it was was very very important to get clean so i ended up watching just the beginning of it and i <laughs> got drawn in really really quickly so i am probably more surprised than anybody that i am i'm here on this podcast and i apparently i'm not alone because i've talked to a few other people who have been not will ferrell fans at all who have ended up loving this movie so if you're not a will ferrell fan and 
watch it anyway. Like you might find out you like it. Yes, 100%. It's very mm-hmm. on brand for you, Erica, the uh, uh, movie that you love that's made up of things you hate because we just did the Lawrence <laughs> of Arabia episode and you're pretty much, uh, here we are again. Every time I bring up this movie to someone, the narrative is invariably, oh yeah, I love that movie. I really don't like Will Ferrell generally, but he's perfect in this movie and I yeah. truly think he's yeah. perfect in this role. Mm. I is. think we talked about this back way back when we put this into the Incomparable Holiday Vault, but this is a movie that absolutely requires that whoever plays the elf puts everything into it mm-hmm. yes, and and is, is not afraid about going right up to the edge of insanity and, and just staying <laughs> there for an hour and a half. And I'm I'm not sure that I can think of another another actor besides Will Ferrell that could pull this off. Not and make no. it endearing because I I feel yeah. like uh, other Christmas movies that involve green dressed characters might have <laughs> tried it uh-huh. uh, and failed. I think the, it, it is a true thing about every time I see Will Ferrell in something. I'll, I will notice, and Lauren and I talk about this a lot when we're watching things and Will Ferrell shows up. It's like, he just, he fully commits. He he is willing to do anything and everything. Uh, and I think that that is admirable. And I can also see why that would really bug people. Depends on what movie he's in. But, but I always am impressed with his commitment, full on commitment into whatever ridiculous thing needs to be done. That was true on yeah. Saturday Night Live. It's true in his movies. And it serves him and this movie so well that because like buddy the elf is a maniac and from the start (laughs) and it's just and yet he's 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 adorably a maniac and i think will ferrell has to get a lot of credit for for walking that line yeah wow that was quite an opening statement round any other statements (laughs) i I got the court recorder in here we can take some other statements or or i can just should i start should i tell you the story of a buddy the elf why don't you sit down let's do it why don't you why don't you explain some elfisms to us while we sit and enjoy a cup of cocoa? <laughs> well, uh, so Elf is Elf is a movie. <laughs> <laughs> what? About, Good start. Uh, it's about Bob Newhart. He's the hero of the movie. He plays Papa Elf, <laughs> which is not his actual name, but we never learn his actual name. Maybe it's it Bob. is Papa Elf. Uh, it could be it Papa might Elf. Be. He's yeah. like Papa Smurf. He just yeah. is living up to his name. I'm uh, not sure Bob Newhart has ever played a character not named Bob. I'm pretty certain it's Bob. It's probably, <laughs> it, it's probably Bob. Bob Elf. <laughs> Baba Elf. The, the story here <laughs> is you Elf. Is that Bob one, A-Elf. One, one Christmas Eve at an orphanage, Santa comes to bring some presents. And it's very nice that the nuns at the orphanage have left out milk and cookies for Santa Claus. But one baby sees Santa's open... A red bag with a, a an adorable teddy bear sitting in it and escapes from his crib and climbs into the bag and is only discovered back at the North Pole where he is adopted by Bob Newhart, Papa Elf, and uh, is raised among the elves even though he is a human being. Um, this movie came out in 2003. I'll point out this is just as the Lord of the Rings series is finishing. And did they take a page from the Lord of the Rings in terms of using as much forced perspective camera work as possible oh yeah the gags in the north pole it's like will ferrell is right in front of the camera and bob newhart is like 90 feet in the background and it looks (laughs) great yeah it's so good The beginning parts of this movie are when they start to establish the world where santa exists but there's still the rumors about the parents uh falsely putting the presents under the trees and everything Mm -hmm. and it's only in the first five minutes that they acknowledge all of this and then dismiss all of it the entire rest of the movie. And I love that. It 
really commits to the whole premise of this is a human raised by elves. And you know what? We're going to take five minutes to establish this and never bring it up again. And I love that. The elf economy is also an issue here. It turns out elves literally can only do three jobs. <laughs> so there, I think there's lots of elf unemployment. You can work at, at the North Pole uh, making toys. You can be a Keebler elf and bake cookies, which is very dangerous because trees are flammable. And <laughs> what's the other job that they get to do? Shoes. 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 Cobblers. Oh, yes. yes. They get to assist cobblers. Lazy bum. He didn't even make a clog. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so there's a, a, definitely a hierarchy of elves. Also, um, this is where we learn for no reason other than there's some good jokes that gnomes and trolls are also were also tried as as uh, technicians in Santa's workshop. And it, it didn't work out. No. They just, it's a safe way to say they're it. Not, it did not work out. They're not very good. Um, and, uh, and we learn in this early part, uh, while we're, while Buddy is growing up and he's gigantic and also very, very bad at all elf related things, um, cause he's, he's a, a special kind of elf who's really bad at everything. We also learn the <laughs> important plot point for later, which is that in these modern times, because it's not a Christmas movie if Christmas isn't threatened, right? It's not a Christmas movie if Christmas isn't threatened. <laughs> Christmas is the is obviously the weakest and saddest of all holidays because it is almost getting uh, killed every time in every movie. Like it's just it's right on the precipice at all times of it being the last Christmas and Christmas well, being ruined. Well, there's been that war on Christmas for a lot of years, Jason, and it's it's clearly weakened it. It's it's weakened it. Yeah, yeah it's amazing <laughs> that it's res as resilient as it as it is. Quite frankly, because it really looks like it's on its last legs here. But anyway, the, the crisis of faith, people don't believe in Santa. And as a result, they have had uh, Papa Elf in the 60s had to strap a jet engine onto Santa's sleigh in order to keep it in the air. I'm sure that's just color and won't come back in the plot. No, no, later. definitely not. We don't dwell much on the fact that Buddy is actually apparently pretty good at tinkering with the, the jet engine on the sled. That would kind of destroy the whole premise. He may mm. be better at that because it's a human thing. And it's not a speed thing because it's, you know, established that he only does 85 Etch-a-Sketches and yes. everyone else does, you know, thousands. A thousand. <laughs> and so I, that's a, that's taking, a good moment because you're, you're yeah. thinking, what, what was the goal? Was it a hundred? No, it was a thousand. No. <laughs> <laughs> and the engine's also not like a glitz and glam thing. Everything else, the cookies, the shoes and the gifts are all very elfy things in our human culture. But this is the one thing that's so far removed from that. And honestly, kind of funny in terms of how they bring it up. And they're like, oh, uh, we have all these other fantasy elf things and you're going to make an engine. Oh, okay. Well, it's like hidden away in a garage while everything else is, you know, the big, bright, fun toy shop. And I really love that this is established this early on in the movie. To be fair, it's humans' fault that uh, they even need the engine in the first place. So it makes sense that they need a human to fix it. Well, well as usual, we're the real monsters. It's it true. We are yep. the monsters. Well, and this also brings up the question is, are the humans the only ones that get presents from Santa? My so cats are we the don't. only reason that we have existence of santa Cappy. whoa this just got deep i'm sorry i'm asking really important. i'm sorry i'll go into my corner wow it's probably best not to go too far down a theological discussion of the film elf especially since it's a film about christmas made by two jewish guys <laughs> i mean most of the songs are uh by jewish people as well so it kind of makes sense this is true is there is there no wonder that christmas is in such uh desperate uh dire, <laughs> dire straits here dire straits. Right on yes. the edge, right on the edge, people, right on the yeah. edge. So Buddy discovers that he is a human, 
uh, and discovers that he uh, was, uh, Papa Elf says that he was born uh, to uh, a fellow named Walter Hobbs, who's on the naughty list, by the way. Very bad. And his, and his mom his mom died, and of course he stowed away in Santa's bag. Um, we, we learn that, um, that if we get a brief scene where James Caan essentially steals books from a, from a nun. <laughs> but the yes. children love the yes. books. So funny. <laughs> I run the focus groups. I know that. Thank you. Before we get too far down this path, I, I was going to mention um, that uh, one of the things that I think this movie does really well, uh, but also that shouldn't really not work as well as it does, is it, it incorporates so many different pieces from uh Christmas movies and Christmas specials from the past. Yes, uh, the uh, the stop motion characters, for instance, um, the Leon Redbone snowman, mm-hmm. who's reminiscent yeah. of the Burl Ives snowman from from Rudolph. For sure, uh, you know, there's 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 bits from Miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, and it's a Wonderful Life, and uh, and in the toy shop, there's an uncredited appearance by. Peter Billingsley yes. as Ming Ming, the uh, the head elf. Yes. Who, oh my God. Uh, yeah. Who it, it on the first couple of viewings, I had no idea that was him because he's he's grown up. <laughs> he's not yeah. Ralphie from yeah. a Christmas Story anymore. Although the eyes are unmistakable when you know it's him. It's like, yep, that's Peter Billingsley. But he says, "Buddy is not a cotton-headed ninny muggins," so that's nice. And also featuring the voice of uh, Ray Harryhausen as the polar bear, uh, one of the stop-motion characters, which I think was a really uh, nice touch. I love the stop-motion bit. That's that's a very uh, fun. Anybody who grew up with the Rankin Bass yes. stuff, mm-hmm. that is like, yes, oh, of course there are, are North Pole stop-motion creatures that he says goodbye to on his way out. Yeah, yeah. The credits are very much of a of a Rankin Bass style, and with Arctic puffin flying by and being crushed mm-hmm. by the book and everything, it's it's nice. <laughs> and you also over the credits. Uh, I wanted to mention the the theme song, which I think is just perfect and super memorable and mm-hmm. sticks in my head. Uh, the music throughout the film is is good, but it kind of disappears. But that theme song is just it's an earworm and it sticks, uh, particularly the theme where it gets unexpectedly emotional and there's whistling and uh, it, it appears in yeah. a few different places in the film where some big emotional climax is occurring. But uh, I really enjoy it. Buddy makes his way to New York City. He wrestles a raccoon. Um, he, <laughs> well, he, he is going through all sorts of Arctic things. And then he goes through the uh, the tunnel into New York City, which is a very nice. It makes me laugh every time. Where It's like he's making his way down from the North Pole to. Oh, and he's just in New York now. OK, uh, <laughs> yeah. which, is, which is very good. But he's uh, the montage continues, um, including uh, I think in, in this segment is where he takes uh, he's been told by Santa. Um, that or or is it by Pop Elf? Anyway, that that you know the gum you you're gonna want to eat, eat yes. that gum, but the gum is don't don't take the gum. And of course, the first thing he does is see gum <laughs> on a sub so uh, subway <laughs> exit rail and just keeps going, putting more gum oh. in his mouth. Oh. Gets me every time. I love it. It's hilarious. <laughs> Let me take a brief break from Elf to tell you about our sponsor. This episode is sponsored by Pingdom. And it is the holidays. That's why we did an episode about Elf. And uh, that means shopping and online shopping. I'm definitely going to be out there looking for some good deals, looking for some housewares, looking for some pictures I'm going to order, big prints, all sorts of other stuff. Lots of different websites. I don't order everything from Amazon. It seems like that sometimes, but I don't. There are lots of different places I look. And when I'm shopping online at all those various websites, nothing makes me more sad than when my shopping cart fails or the website is suddenly unavailable. That happened to me the other day. Click buy and they said, "Mm, I can't do that now. Very sad. Pingdom 
will let you know the moment your website goes down in whatever way is best for you. They use transaction monitoring to let you get alerted whenever the cart checkout forms login pages are failing. They can let you know before they even affect your customers and your business. Don't be surprised. Don't hear from an unhappy customer that they didn't uh, get to buy the thing that they wanted for the holidays. That's no good. You can customize how you're alerted. You can customize who gets alerted, depending on the severity of the outage. Go to pingdom.com slash Snell right now. You'll get a 14-day free trial with no credit card required. And when you sign up, use the code Snell at checkout. You'll get an awesome 30% off your first invoice. That's pingdom.com slash Snell. Use the code Snell at checkout. Thank you, Pingdom, for supporting the incomparable. Something Truge noticed on this uh, viewing because we watched it together. Uh, the seven layers of the candy cane forest. Is the candy cane forest hell with seven circles? <laughs> yeah. It's the opposite that. of hell. It's magical. Ah, yes. The inverse hell where there's seven it layers is. of happiness and fun and candy, exactly. candy canes. And swirly whirly gumdrops. <laughs> That's right. In the first part of the movie, it's twirly swirly. And in the end of the movie, it's swirly twirly. Mm. And they never explain it. Ooh. That's always bothered me. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it was swirly twirly when he went back to the North Pole. Oh, I yes. see. Yeah, well, Buddy is evolved as a as a person. That's yeah, that's point. a hero's journey. You got to switch up the, uh, get the, the twirlies and the swirlies uh, in the right order. Um, so, so James Con, <laughs> which in a who is not you know again James Con actor James Con noted actor James Con and here he is in this ridiculous movie and you're like what you gonna be but but he's 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 a bad man when we meet him he's very bad he's he's a bad man working at a bad company that's full of bad people who also do by the way uh, coincidentally a bad job at their jobs <laughs> yes. they are a publisher of children's books they don't the the, the he has a great contempt for the kids uh audience he uh approves the printing of a book that's got missing pages and doesn't think it matters because some dumb kids aren't going to care that they're missing pages um and they should just go ahead and ship the book so he's a he's a very uh he's a very bad man and over the course of this uh as we go through the publishing plot of the movie we (laughs) just um continue to see people it's 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 amazing because it's they are simultaneously clearly bad at their jobs but also the entire movie's conception of like how the publishers of books would work is from a a uh, it's it's I'd say a little more ridiculous than the existence of Santa Claus and a sleigh and stuff like it's even yeah. wackier than that. The real Christmas miracle is that James Con's character even had this job to begin with. Mm-hmm. Like, he's just so bad at it. Well, he fits in perfectly in this group. Yeah, yeah, he's perfect. He's a perfect fit because they're all terrible at their job, and keeping him would be terrible. So. All of James Conn's dialogue in the first act of the movie almost feels like good place jokes for how terrible he is and how short the lines are. <laughs> well, you know, it's shorthand. You, you got to get you got to get across pretty quickly why he's on the naughty list. But uh, yeah, I mean, you got writers who can't write. No. Uh, you got Amy Sedaris offering to declaw kittens in her camper, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> which I feel like has to have been uh, improvised at the moment because it's such an absurd line. Yeah, yeah. The um, w- they they come in later, but. But uh, Andy Richter and Kyle Gass, as the writers, whose big pitch is hire a better writer than them. <laughs> That's their big idea. They've got that asparagus and tomato thing, too. Right. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. And then the idea that they find inside of the book afterwards is literally the 
farm and a, a vegetable that's vulnerable. Uh, it's a fruit. Go back to that. It's, it's a, a peach. It's a peach. Yeah. A peach. What's more what vulnerable, more than, vulnerable a peach? than a peach? <sighs> but the, Buddy comes to the uh, the office. He is, of course, dressed as himself as an elf. Um, uh, Amy Sedaris, the the uh, receptionist, thinks he is a Christmas gram, um, but uh, that doesn't go well because he has to make up a song that he doesn't because <laughs> he's just there because he wants to see his dad, and it gets a. Uh, it gets uh, really weird, and he is uh, he is eventually escorted away by uh, by the security guards, who we will see again and again in this uh, in this part of the movie. <laughs> they mention gimbals, and then we transition to gimbals. Gimbals, yeah. yeah. <laughs> this is your miracle on Thirty Fourth Street, right? Like Clearly gimbals doesn't here. exist. Yes. Mm-hmm. No, it, yeah. it, it had been closed since 1987, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, 16 years previous. And I figured the reason that it's in this film instead of Macy's is it's probably a lot easier to get the rights to use a store that's been gone <laughs> uh-huh. for 16 years. Yes. But yeah, it's, it, this is clearly a sop to Miracle on 34th Street, along with the mailroom later. Right. I yeah. like to whisper, too. <laughs> uh, this is also, uh, as he's going off to Gimbal's, we got that great... Uh, uh, special effects shot basically of this fictional gimbals department store that you're supposed to your eyes are supposed to drink it in but in like a fraction of a second uh you can't because buddy has been hit by a cab because the, uh, because <laughs> the they, yellow ones don't stop the, the yellow, yellow ones, ones don't stop do not stop and that's a continuing every time he crosses the street the movie seizes <laughs> an opportunity to have him almost get killed by a car it's great it's great it's so good it doesn't get old either this is a wonderfully done hit too because the 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 way that he thumps into the cab instead of being horrifying is just hysterical because he just kind of flops onto it it's it's very well done physical comedy (laughs) this sequence is also my favorite montage of uh buddy doing ridiculous things in gimbals as he tries passion (sighs) fruit spray and tries to figure out what the hell an elevator or an escalator is and it is truly my favorite like montage in the movie yeah because he he (laughs) he ends up in the in the north pole the christmas department but before he does that yes he's he's enjoying other parts of the store like the uh the the passion fruit spray which is a perfume that he tries to taste and this also i i like the fact that because again at the north pole he was enormous and all the elves were small he goes into the bathroom and he cannot believe how big the toilets are and so then he stands up on the toilet and looks down to the other stall to tell the person next door do you see how ginormous these toilets are yes Uh, love it love it because there's no boundaries for buddy he doesn't understand boundaries no uh and he also doesn't understand escalators, so he does a very oh lovely split. You know what? I I, f- I really felt for him in that moment because I <clears throat> I get vertigo, so sometimes <laughs> I get nervous. And I do, like, usually it's going down an escalator instead of up, but I have sort of the same thing where I, like, have to step on really gingerly and, like, nope, nope, not not that one, not that one, not yet. So, like, I I bonded with, with Buddy in that moment. Yes. It was great. So we, we reach the North Pole because he is, he is spotted by the manager of the North Pole who thinks no, it's not. who thinks that it's uh <laughs> it, it it is uh, that he's one of their employees so he he demands that he come with him up to the North Pole whose name is apparently Wanda yeah, I noticed Wanda. for the first time mm-hmm. this time out that's what his name tag says yep yeah Wanda I don't know but he's he's in charge and uh that's a that's a funny character and he also meets Jovi who is uh Zoe Deschanel she's a uh uh, it's like New Girl, but blonde. <laughs> yeah, and for some reason, she's the one elf that has to show her midriff. I don't get it. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but she is dressed as an elf, which allows uh, Buddy to say it's nice to meet another human with an affinity for elf culture, which is one of my favorite lines <laughs> in the whole that movie. That is a very good line. Uh, it looks like they may get to choose their 
elf costume. That is possible. Because the other women, like the other female elves are not dressed the same way that she is. Right. Um, also, Santa's going to be there tomorrow, which very much excites Buddy. Uh, because uh, as he I says, him. I know he him. him. Yeah, this gives Faison Love a chance to 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 bust out with some just fantastic reaction mm-hmm. shots to Buddy's overreacting. It just kills me every time he looks over at him and has that look on his face, like, "Uh huh, yeah." <laughs> Why are you messing with me? <laughs> he does so much with his face uh, oh, and, and his body, just reacting to throughout this movie the ridiculous things that Will Ferrell is doing. It's great because he he's like, "I'm come on, I'm serious. We got to do this. We got to run this place." And 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 uh, Will Ferrell is just he's going along. No singing at the North Pole. No, there's not. No, there's not. And so Buddy stays up all night. Uh, he stays in the store and stays up all night working on uh, on upgrading the North Pole. How many montages are in the, in this film? I I didn't count them, but there oh, must I be at least counted. five. There are a lot. We get the we get the uh, upgrade montage. Right, he's clipping things, and there's there's a little. He's got like the scissors below the camera frame, and there's right. little bits flying up everywhere, <laughs> suggesting that he's he is fast at something, even if it's not making etch sketches, which is decorating. Because well, he's still been trained by the elves, so even though he can't do thousands of the etch sketches, he still could do eighty five in however many hours that is, and stapling so- all of the. All of the um, he's doing the like stapling all the cotton or whatever on like to because there's no snow. Yep. Uh, so he's got to put the snow on there, and it is that reveal later is pretty spectacular. I love the idea that there's etch a sketch literacy and light bright literacy and <laughs> Lego oh, yeah. literacy taught in uh, taught in yeah. the North Pole. I was watching this with uh, my spouse Stephen, who loves Lego, and he he's like he has this theory that later on Buddy becomes very humanized and he grows up to become the dad in the Lego Movie <laughs> because it's very much <laughs> like the same thing that is built in the basement by Will Ferrell. What a, what a sad arc his character. Yeah, that's yeah. true. After this film, that's tragic. Yep, pretty dark. At least there's Lego. <laughs> yeah. So uh, we have to go back to um, to James Con, and we see that he's at home. With uh, his wife, who is Mary Steenburgen, and uh, his son, and they're kind of... Who is way too young for both of them. Y- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's younger. They, they, had, they had a child late. Um, mm-hmm. She's... Yeah, anyway, uh, but they, they uh, are there, and, and he's a workaholic, and, uh, you know, is basically more of James Conn being a bad guy, because he's, he's bad. Yeah. He needs to be redeemed. Very naughty. Um, uh, the next morning, um, Jovi is uh, is singing half a duet in the shower at work because, as she says, they shut her water off because otherwise this scene wouldn't exist and makes no sense. So now it makes slightly more sense. Uh, and Will, Will, Will Ferrell, as Buddy, uh, he hears her singing and so just comes into the women's locker room and sits on the on the sink and very gradually sings the other part of the duet of Baby It's Cold Outside louder and louder until finally he bursts out with uh, the last part and uh, she yells at him because he is a weirdo who is uh, in the women's locker room while she's taking a shower before work in the morning. Uh, this scene was actually an addition um, when John Favreau learned that Zoe Deschanel could sing and was just like, you need to sing in the shower. And then look, we'll establish the fact that you can sing beautifully for spoilers at the end Mm. of the film. This is the one moment in the movie that I think foreshadows Buddy's like 
eventual uh, humanization because Baby It's Cold Outside is not a particularly Christmassy song, but it's like a wintertime song. So why would Buddy know it as someone who's in the North Pole where it's very Christmassy, but not very wintry? I don't know. I, I always enjoyed this moment as a like as a moment of acknowledging that there's more to his character than just Christmas because he knows this song. Yeah, but it's the always North winter Pole's at the North Pole. Wintering. Yeah, <laughs> I, I don't know, Brian. It's not that the North Pole isn't wintry, but baby, it's not. It, baby, it's cold outside. Is not Christmassy. You know? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Everybody knows it. It must be. That's what I think. Okay. <laughs> when you've got an animated snowman played by Leon Redbone in your town, <laughs> you're, you're going to hear a lot of various standards and uh, right. Christmas standards. Yeah. Well, on the soundtrack, Leon Redbone and Zoe Deschanel sing this duet. Yeah, it's all like, over yeah. the end credits, oh, wow. too. It's over yep. the end credits. Um, yeah, so great. I imagine Buddy was taught by Leon Redbone Snowman right. how to sing yeah. that part, and now he's very excited because there's somebody singing the other half of the duet because we finally have connected the duet together. But I think this scene could have been really gross, except for Zoe Deschanel tells him off rightly, and also because Buddy's so innocent right. that you believe yes. he's just he's just there. And I think even... Um, Jovi would accept that. Yeah. Because, you know, it potentially. It's yeah, super she still creepy. talks to him. Like, yeah, eventually. Right. But he he's he just perched he's so on the innocent. sink, right? Like, he's yeah. just very happy to be there. Yes. Yeah, he's not leering or anything. So it's, right. you know. Yeah, exactly. All right. So Santa arrives. <laughs> it's very exciting. And, uh, and of course, Buddy immediately sizes him up and realizes wait a second. <laughs> You're not Santa. Santa is actually Artie Lang. He's an awful person too. But it's one of those things where he is he is immediately he is immediately given the third degree by Buddy. Um, uh, a kid is on Santa's lap, and he's like, "Who, who are you? I'm Santa." <laughs> no, you're not. And and he's like, "No, no. Tell me what you want." And he and he admonishes the child. That's that's actually a really nice. He's like, "Don't tell him anything. You disgust me. <laughs> you sit on a throne of lies. Yeah. You stink." There's even a bit where the kid quietly says under his breath, breath fake, in response to that, which Santa tells him, don't listen to him, yeah. he doesn't know anything. It's like a whole scandal is breaking out here, where because Buddy, of course, assumes that it will be the real Santa, and we know that that's the... I think that's one of the great bits of tension throughout this movie, is that we all know, like the truth about Christmas culture, and the movie says, ah, yes, but that's all wrong. And and Buddy knows the truth. And so here, it's a perfectly reasonable thing. There's a department store Santa. And to Buddy, it is like treason that there is this yeah. fraud sitting on his throne of lies. Um, it, and I think then, this is my favorite part of the movie. And then, and then there's like a fight <laughs> breaks out. <laughs> I love Buddy's face when he asks Santa... Oh, what did I sing you for your birthday? Mm. And Santa goes, happy birthday. Happy birthday. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh. I think, Joe, this is my favorite part, too, is this... Um, because it, it is just, Buddy is is aghast, right? Like, this is the most, this is a crime. Why don't, why, the world has gone mad and only Buddy can see that, that. And then meanwhile, there are all these children who are appalled and their parents by what is co- going down in the uh, in the North Pole. It's Although great. when the violence <laughs> begins, they go from terrified to overjoyed <laughs> very quickly. That's true. It must have been really satisfying to smash that uh, Lego building. Oh, that that part did not go over well in this household. <laughs> I was there to see it not go over well. It, it like broke his, his heart. How many of those did they have to build in order to do different takes where they smashed it? That's uh, what I it was all done in a single take. Oh, hmm? oh okay. Oh, wow. That's good. It wow. took weeks to prepare and all done in a single take. 
single take mm-hmm. based on my BuzzFeed research. All right. Just good. Oh, good. Out there. <laughs> nice. I did Thanks, research Kathy. for this, Jason. You're welcome. Wow. I appreciate that. That's a big step up from IMDb <laughs> trivia, which is what we usually get here. Right? So thank you. <laughs> Buddy is arrested apparently because he is uh, he is bailed out uh, from oh well okay so he's left a gift for Walter it is the <laughs> it's for someone it's for special, special. It's, a, it's a seasonal nighty it's lingerie it is lingerie it is fuzzy lingerie um, which is just a joke and is funny but then he gets a call from jail and he goes and he he bails out Buddy who's been arrested for assaulting Santa Claus apparently fake Santa Claus. And uh, takes him to uh, the director's cameo, John Favreau, as a uh, a doctor who does a very quick paternity test and reveals that, yes, indeed, Buddy <laughs> is his son. Um, and uh, therefore, uh, he, you know, uh, he should, I guess, take him home and clean him up and hopefully he'll uh, read, you know, get back into contact with reality, which he's obviously completely lost. I love this cameo because it reminds me so much of the cameo. I, I forget whether it was which film it was in, but Harold Ramis plays a doctor. Groundhog Day. Was it? Is it in, it is in Groundhog Day? That's yeah, right. Yeah, I was just going to mention that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, and it's, it's very, very similar in, the, in, uh, in that respect. And this, this film almost feels like it could have been a Harold Ramis film in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. I like the girl in the waiting room. And, that is the, and we see her again and again because she, she mm-hmm. meets Buddy and then we see her and she's, she sees what's going on on TV and, and her present gets mentioned and she says, thanks, Buddy. But here, thanks, she, buddy. They're, they're, just, they're just talking. And I like it because uh, she, she introduces herself to him because he says, you know, I'm an elf or I'm a human raised by elves. And she says, oh, I'm a human raised by humans. And he's like, oh, interesting. <laughs> it's just, a, it's light, so just a little moment. It's adorable. It's great. And this is where he is developmentally, right? Because he's like, that's the age he is among the elves, like her age. It's right. really great. Right. Because, yeah. yeah, exactly. So Buddy is brought back to Walter's house where uh, he explains what the four main food groups of the elves are, <laughs> which is candy, candy canes, candy corn, and syrup, if I'm not mistaken. Did mm-hmm. I get the four food mm-hmm. groups right? I, I think, think they're replacing right. with like a pyramid, but... It's going to be a candy mountain. Now, candy corn's a Halloween candy. What the hell is it doing in Christmas? Well, it's 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 uh, the harvest at the North Pole is they grow <laughs> the candy corns. In my experience, when you get candy corn for Halloween, there's still plenty of it laying around when Christmas rolls. <laughs> Not in my house, You can now man. get Christmas candy corn tune that's red and green and white. Oh, God. <gasps> that must Adding be it. Right. I just can't imagine making it a whole food group because it's just terrible candy. <laughs> it's awful. <laughs> I it's like it. It's the best. I mean, it's like well, they're look, vegetables. Well, I mean, we've got vegetables, yeah. 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 <laughs> and it's corn, which is kind of a vegetable. So, you know, <laughs> sure. it fills out that pyramid. Makes perfect sense. Yep. So they, they have the dinner and he, it's like spaghetti and he turns out he has a little flask of maple syrup to pour <laughs> on his, his spaghetti. <laughs> yes. He drinks a two liter of Coke and then out. has an extended burp. Yep. Mm. It's good stuff. But I, I particularly enjoy that the, his, his line after that is, did you hear that? <laughs> He's like an inch from the kid and he just burped extremely loudly right <laughs> at him. And the kid's response, his brother's response is, you're so weird. <laughs> So it's great. True. Which is entirely, entirely true. So, um, what? He goes to sleep and in, in the morning, uh, he makes them all breakfast, which is just uh, more spaghetti with meat sauce and uh, and maple syrup. Yep. Spaghetti and syrup and nudity yep. for breakfast mm-hmm. at the Hobbs household. <laughs> yep. Yeah. When, we, when I was watching it, the people I was watching with, we all discussed 
without the tomato sauce, I bet all that sugar on spaghetti wouldn't be bad. Yeah, I would absolutely eat that for dessert. Yeah. yeah. But it's the, the, like, yeah, the tomato it's, sauce it's that's the on it too. It's like a spaghetti yeah. sundae. The tomato mm-hmm. sauce ruins everything, but... Does it? <laughs> Doesn't sound that bad to me. <laughs> it's like I a taste try test. It. Yeah, we have I mean, we've yeah, not tried it, it yet, but we've we've talked about it. We'll link this in the show notes. Uh, Binging with Babish has tried this and put it on YouTube, and it's really wonderful. Mm. He thought it was disgusting. Mm. <laughs> did yeah. he crumble up the pop tarts on the top? Because yes, that's he the did. important part. Wow. So James Conn goes to work. He's a terrible publisher of terrible books. Did I mention that? Uh, but now they have a plot <laughs> deadline uh, because the mean owner or whatever of the publishing company is going to come back through town on Christmas Eve and he has to turn everything around because they got to publish a book real quick, which is totally <laughs> not a thing that can happen. <laughs> this And this is about the point where I realized, uh, and I hadn't noticed this earlier in the film or any of the other times I saw it, but this he is totally the kind of guy who has framed the first dollar he ever made and hung it on the wall right behind his <laughs> oh desk. Oh my gosh, I didn't notice that. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. There's, There's a dollar also a, a frame. very tiny picture of Michael somewhere over there too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so they gotta they gotta put something together uh, for Christmas Eve, and they're gonna have to work uh, even more. Um, the next, what is it? Is it the next day or later that day? Um, he, Buddy has been stalking uh, Michael, his brother, uh, like out waiting outside mm-hmm. school for him. Uh, mm-hmm. And of course, he's like, oh, I don't know that guy. He's like, he's my, my, my your brother, right? So he's like totally embarrassed by Buddy, as you would be. Um, but <laughs> it, when walking through Central Park, Buddy's one another one of Buddy's great talents is revealed, which is that he is the world's uh, best, at least outside of the North Pole, snowball fighter and uh, can uh, <laughs> hurl snowballs mm-hmm. like with the accuracy of a good NFL quarterback. And uh, yes. that impresses Michael a lot. And the speed of rookie of the year. Yeah. You, you got to wonder if, if Buddy's this good, like how many snowballs could an elf throw? Like an yeah. actual 85 elf. versus a couple a thousand. thousand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, my favorite um, swear is here. Son of a nutcracker. Son of a nutcracker. I really like that. <laughs> yep. I love the shot where um, Buddy... The, at the very end of the fight where there's the one who's getting away and he gets the <laughs> snowball and like chucks it uh, like impossibly high and far and it just very slowly kind of like loops down and smacks them in their back and then they fall down as if shot to death right because yeah. it's a yeah. snowball but it doesn't matter this is a these are this is a deadly snowball fight it's great yeah, the sound that kid makes when he gets hit in the back is very satisfying <laughs> <laughs> and there's a bunch of you know like leaping uh like throwing he's practically horizontal as he's throwing those snowballs and... <laughs> it's a fun moment and it's it's a great way i think to have michael go from really irritated with this guy who's supposedly his brother to kind of getting him because yeah. it's just like this 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 perfect way to kind of get to michael as uh you know to to to, to get him on his side yeah and so michael michael decides that uh he's gonna do buddy uh solid and explain to him how to ask jovi out on a date um you know to get food and uh if she says <laughs> yes then you're in because it's a uh, it's a code <laughs> very helpful it's also our fourth montage of the movie which is great mm-hmm. what the date no no the uh running around gimbals jumping on mattresses oh and, yeah uh, talking about their dad oh, yeah yeah, that's right. Jumping on the mattresses. Yeah, there's the date is yet another montage that comes a little in a little that's bit. That's right. That's wow, right. now I'm counting the montages, Steve. Oh, yeah. no. It's, I'm telling you, it's, it's like 90% montage, this movie. It's great, but it's all montage. 
Yeah, it's, it's highly improbable here that Jovi agrees to go out to eat with him, even with Michael's help. Because mm -hmm. if there's one thing that doesn't really work in this movie for me, it's they never adequately explain why Jovi isn't straight up creeped out by this guy. Because he's so charming and sweet. Is he? If you yeah. really were dealing with him on a regular basis, would you find that to be true? I, well, let's just say that my house feels a lot like I live with Buddy, like maybe. Oh. <laughs> okay. I forgot who I was talking to. 60% of the time-ish. Also, I feel like, you know, she hasn't been groped. Um, she hasn't yeah. been catcalled by him. She hasn't been, you know, the bar is really, really low. <laughs> It is. Mm -hmm. It's super he's, low. He also seems really authentically innocent and like kind and genuine, even though he's bananas. Well, we know I that. I don't know if I would date him, but I might hang out with him. I just feel like we, we understand all that because we've been with him the whole movie, but she has mm -hmm. very limited exposure to him. And every time she talks to him, it's like this really awkward and somewhat disturbing interaction. <laughs> I like to think that there that they had more interaction in the toy department it's off, possible. off camera. So she got to see him being sweet. It also could be that she's just a little off kilter herself and that's just her kind of dude. I but, would also buy that. Yeah. yeah. But he goes with, with his dad to work and is sent to the mail room. Um, I mean, he's, which he doesn't get sent to the mailroom until he tries to, like, you know, answer his phone. Yeah. Yeah. Hi, Marty. Oh, yeah. What's your favorite color? What is your favorite what color? What is your favorite color? Uh, he also gets to sit in the corner and, and is served some coffee by Amy Sedaris. <laughs> and he's like, you don't, have so to, good. you don't have to drink that. And he's like, put it away. Um, That's how I feel Francisco. about coffee. Yeah, yeah Francisco, Francisco. That's a fun name. Francisco. This, this scene kind of... It started to see kind of a little bit of a progression for how terrible of a human daddy is. But, you know, he recognized that Buddy didn't like the coffee and told him that he didn't have mm. to drink it. That's true. There was really no alter ulterior motive for him to tell him that he didn't have to drink the coffee. Well, we got to see that James Conn is not unredeemable right because he's right. about to be <laughs> redeemed so the, the guy, right. he, but he does get rid of him to and send him down to the mailroom which is a miracle on 34th street reference um and uh and the mailroom is is a dark and terrible place <laughs> are you sure there's not another mailroom jason <laughs> <laughs> and they got the pneumatic tubes and he sticks oh, his head on a pneumatic so tube it smells like mm -hmm. mushrooms and everybody looks like they want to hurt me <laughs> <laughs> it's such a great turn too because we're in this movie and he's so optimistic and he's got his family issues you know but it's all going to be okay and it's like a descent into hell when he goes into the mailroom except he makes some friends who 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 put maple syrup in his coffee and taste make it taste much better because that's not so maple syrup. Much better. Mm -hmm. It took me years for me to realize that was booze. Because <laughs> oh, 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 it's the same little bottle that he pulls oh, out of his yeah, that's from the, early on. That's the joke, but yes, yeah, the ex-con is not does not have maple syrup with him. <laughs> My complaint here is that they get very drunk very quickly on a very small <laughs> bottle of syrup. Well, yeah. Buddy does empty the whole thing. Maybe he's got another one like in his sock or something. They move on to the second flask. Well, I mean, you have to imagine syrup. that his tolerance is really low because he's probably never had alcohol at sure. all, ever. But the ex-con's a little the lit up, too. The ex-con's a little, yeah. Yeah, but he's so been, maybe he's he's been working drunk. on it all day, yeah. That's true. Yeah. I like the way that the ex-con 
basically pours in just like a little bit and uh-huh. then hands it to Buddy and Buddy is just like, oh, it's so generous. And then he just dumps the whole thing <laughs> into his mug and it's like, oh. Buddy doesn't know moderation. Definition. I think this is clear. Mm-mm. He doesn't yeah. understand that. The ex-con says he's 26 years old. Oh, which God. Is that's such a, the most unbelievable thing That's such a show. good joke. That is such a good joke. You're the so actor young. is uh, 46 when they, uh, yeah. when they film this. Yeah, so that, that, makes, that makes me laugh every time because it's so pointless and, and it just doesn't need to be there and it's funny because it's like wow well, he's you had a hard, a hard life. life yeah exactly yeah. right <laughs> exactly right uh meanwhile upstairs uh kyle gas and andy richter the terrible writers have finally His made their team their, their made their pitch which is here it is get are you ready for this we bring in another writer we bring in miles finch he's great let's uh let's bring him in and they uh and they call him and he demands uh to get the you know his limo set to the be a very particular kind of limo and set to a certain number of degrees and then he'll do it and uh and uh and he agrees to do it so he'll be back in a minute so we but, know he's going to be awful because of the very specific <laughs> yeah yes 71 yep. degrees mm-hmm. yeah s500 here's our date montage happens next this, there it is th- this is the yellow ones don't stop uh <laughs> moment is in here they run around and through you know uh like revolving doors yeah. and stuff and uh skating uh, the, the big tree. He's very excited by big Christmas trees. Oh, yeah. And then she takes him to Rockefeller Center where they got the biggest tree of all and they do some ice skating. And it's a, yeah. it's now where, now it's a New York uh, Christmas romantic comedy moment in uh-huh. this montage. Mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, we actually like the, because earlier in the film when he first gets to New York, he notices the world's best cup of coffee sign on yeah. a diner. Oh, you like, did it. And he, you did it. <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> so he takes her back and she's got like, he, he's, her eyes are covered and everything and just taste this. And what it tastes like a crappy cup of coffee it is a crappy cup of coffee no no no, no. it's the world's, it's the best, world's best cup of coffee yeah <laughs> i mean speaking of creepy how many people would be agree would agree to uh be blindfolded and let her <laughs> yeah. no, that's very <laughs> true she's By this maybe she's off kilter dude you met like a week ago <laughs> well you know if you're gonna if you're gonna get the whole date experience you just gotta gotta go go with it and see just what go happens for it. yeah well and the, the date montage ends with a kiss followed by the most distressing smile on will ferrell's face that <laughs> the kiss was super adorable though because he kisses her on the cheek and she says you missed (laughs) we go back to uh to the terrible publishing company where where uh, peter dinklage has arrived He is Miles Finch, and he has got he's got his book full of ideas because that's totally what writers have is their book full of ideas, uh-huh. mm-hmm. <laughs> which mostly appear to be doodles that we see later. Right, there's a chicken. He's super douchey. He's it's got genius. He's got his. Uh, he's going to give you a pitch. He he seems to know his strength. Seems to be he knows the market. Like he knows what no, everybody's sells. pushing small town rural. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly. No, nobody. You don't want a vulnerable lead in yeah, this one. Right? Like so you can't have anything vulnerable. Um, but uh, Buddy stumbles in because he's in love and he, in love, and he doesn't care who knows it, as he <laughs> says, and as he spins around the room, um, and this leads to um, maybe the high point of the movie because he uh, thinks that Peter Dinklage is an elf. Uh, Peter Dinklage is a very angry man <laughs> who and keeps on trying to who 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 uh like he's challenging him like say that again and Buddy's like okay yeah. I'll say it again you're an elf <laughs> he does what he's told <laughs> Peter Dinklage is like I'm gonna punch you to death if you keep saying that and he's like wow he's angry elf isn't he <laughs> and uh, 
it just it makes me it makes me laugh because Buddy doesn't have any idea what's going on, and we have seen what Miles Finch how particular he's going to be and how he's going to react to this, and it's exactly the worst possible thing that could possibly happen in that moment. And it simultaneously get they get in a fight, and of course it it destroys uh, Buddy's dad's hope to get this book that's going to save his job. The little people jokes don't really hold up. I really wish they didn't linger on that as much as they did. But what saves this scene is that. Will Ferrell is so innocent and so committed to this bit that he knows what elf culture is like. And it, like you said, is literally being told, call me elf one more time. So he says it. Why wouldn't he do what he's told? It's uh, it's a little cringy to watch, but I really appreciate the commitment of all the actors in this scene. Mm-hmm. And the fact that like it, this isn't a Christmas movie where you have you know little, ple- little people playing elves and then there are no actual little people as real people in the world. This is a Christmas movie that actually you know, shows you that there are little people who are people in the world existing, like having normal jobs and sometimes being jerks and stuff. So yeah, uh, that's kind of a, it's kind of a nice twist on what you got in some of the, you know, older classic Christmas movies. Mm-hmm. I think Dinklage's character is treated with, I, I wouldn't say respect, because like I said, he's a douche, but I think that it doesn't have anything <laughs> to do with the fact that he is, you know, he has dwarfism. He He's just a douchey dude and buddy is a clueless guy from the North Pole. (laughs) And he seems to be a douche because he's so good at what he does. Yeah, Mm -hmm. you know, and his priorities are obviously out of whack because he's like, I I get more action in one week than you've had in your whole life and stuff like that. I have flat screen TVs everywhere in the world. (laughs) 70 inch plasma TVs. I I like also that he cites his three houses, including the one in Vail, because that is the douchiest (laughs) thing you could possibly say. (laughs) Yeah, Buddy is utterly without guile. So, I mean, you can't take any of this seriously and i don't think it's it's played as a as a slam on on mm-hmm. uh, little people at all but I, I get where you're coming from there the thing that disturbs me in this scene is that nobody immediately gets up and shuttles buddy the hell out of that room yeah, right, <laughs> right. Well, the, the writers aren't going to do it because they're completely useless right. and they don't know yeah. like they have no idea but all so. yeah, like how is james Kahn not jumping out of his seat yeah, saying, like, buddy go 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 Get him out of here. No. Because he's really bad at his job. I guess guess so. I guess so. Yeah, it's just, it's hard to watch because it's so obvious what's coming. Oh my God. From the first moment of that. And it's just like, you can see the the house of cards tipping slightly to one side. Yeah. So Peter Dinklage runs down the table and slams into Will Ferrell. And it's just, uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, (laughs) So uh, James Conn yells at Buddy. Uh, and tells him that he doesn't even care that he's son, and he's he insults him, and he says, "You got to go. You're get nuts. out of my life. Get out of my life." So he leaves, and and uh, we are now in it's a wonderful life mode in this moment, right? Because we get Buddy is is heartbroken, and he he leaves a note. Then he leaves, and he's wandering around the streets. He does he en- actually ends up on a bridge, on a bridge, looking down. <laughs> it's very much it's a wonderful life being being quoted. In uh, in that moment. Meanwhile, by the way, the incompetent writers have have discovered that Miles Finch has left his book behind, his book full of ideas. <laughs> so they're going to uh, they're going to like take an idea from a notebook because it's Christmas Eve and uh, and do a storyboard in like forty five minutes because that's uh, yeah that'll that'll do it that'll that's yep. how that works. Totally. Publishing. And I'm sure Peter Dinklage isn't going to sue the crap out of them as soon as right. they try mm-hmm. to produce anything with his idea. Well, no, they, the Finder's Keepers, Steve, they, he left his book behind. <laughs> it belongs to them now. So gave him that envelope of cash. Well, I mean, how could you, how could you not reproduce genius ideas like a sketch of a rooster? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it is a children's book, so the character 
illustrations are just as important as the story. I do have a question about the timetable for this because the conference room scene was at night and then there's more night Uh where they're going to have their meeting at night still. And then this was also the same day that Zoe Deschanel and Will Ferrell had their date, which she said was Thursday. Uh, But this is also Christmas Eve and he's leaving it the same day. So Mm -hmm. this is all happening the same time well it, it gets really dark early in manhattan in the winter <laughs> that's right <laughs> so their date was at like four i think and then the uh the miles finch meeting was at about the same time and then the mr greenway was coming in he's a jerk who wants everybody to work late on christmas eve so he he and the board by the way the whole board comes uh that obviously was it more like uh seven uh-huh yeah <laughs> it's just a busy day. christmas eve's a very busy day joe very that's busy. true it is very busy so uh yeah he sucks and he <laughs> greenway I, I, what can i say again terrible publishing company mr greenway is awful um they they he he's demanding that they do this pitch uh but um but michael runs in and says buddy has run away and because buddy has gone home and at this point again joe it's a very long night it's a very long night um and and uh he says basically you're you're out of here if you don't stay and uh, tell your kid to wait outside while we do this uh, book pitch thing. And James Kahn says, you know what? Up yours. Because that's the kind of thing we like to hear in a Christmas movie. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, up yours. Up, up yours. Have Merry hey, Christmas. watch it. <laughs> Maybe I'm a sucker and a sap, but this redemption scene works so well on me. <laughs> I think it's so great from, from the early, like... Uh, you know, Greenway is getting pissed off at him and he says, don't tell my kid what to do. You know, he's almost over the edge there. And mm-hmm. then Greenway demands it and he looks at Michael and Michael has that look on his face and he comes back with, well, up yours. And it's it's so nicely, subtly played by James Caan. And I, I think it, it just, it, it, uh, it warms my heart. And the fist bumps at the door too. Yeah, exactly. It's not like Jimmy Stewart wonderful lifestyle giving a monologue about how great his family is and how great Christmas is. It's a very small, short uh, snippy New York up yours and I really appreciate that because that still fits with his character but he's like redirecting his dismissiveness to his boss instead of the nun who wanted the books earlier or his family thus with up yours the <laughs> primary arc and plot of the film is concluded because uh, Buddy's dad is, has realized the error of his ways and he's leaving his awful employers behind and is going to go with his son to find his other son and it's all going to be fine. We now shift to the second portion of the movie, which is a more traditional Christmas plot involving um, the New York One cable channel, a bunch <laughs> of horse uh, police in Central Park. <laughs> Nazgul. Who are the yeah, Nazgul from Lord of the Rings. Which is a bizarre choice, but it makes me laugh so much. They are creepy too. They make them good and creepy. Oh yeah, they, yeah. Are, they, are, mm-hmm. they are the Nazgul. They are like weird undead monsters, except they're just, you know, horse-mounted police in uh, Central Park. You can see how they wouldn't go over well at the Simon and Garfunkel concert yes, back well. in 85. <laughs> <laughs> they were very angry at Santa still because he kept them on the naughty list. Never forgave him. In this segment, there is a completely unnecessary and yet delightful bit where the New York One reporter who is out there, who we see repeatedly and 
okay before i even get to the unnecessary thing i'll say also unnecessary but delightful is the story arc of this new york one reporter who we've never seen before (laughs) she is talking to people she's new there and so she's getting chided by the anchor about like this is how we do things in new york because she's obviously new at her job sorry to break into your first big news story charlotte yeah they're mocking her because she's doing this like is santa in the park which he totally is but of course they're obviously mocking it because they don't believe in santa there's the thing where michael later comes out with santa's book and points out that her what she wants for Christmas is for her boyfriend to propose already which is great uh, and there's a moment early on where she's interviewing the man on the street and the guy is yes. like totally so hitting creepy. on her yeah. you're a great news lady your eyes tell the story that's what I love about you <laughs> You're so great. You, you it, got a great mouth. It, it makes me it makes me laugh so much because he just doesn't stop. And like every every statement is, let me compliment you. And he knows almost oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw a thing. There was like a thing that went into the woods, but you know, you're really great. Um and it's like none of that it does, none of that needs to be in there, but it makes me laugh because this is like unnecessary detail. And the unnecessary detail that I wanted to mention when I started this conversation is Buddy is shown in a clip by her that yes. was and it, and he is doing the Bigfoot one. It's Bigfoot. Yes. Yep. Yes. Why? Why? So and they good. zoom in. They do the zoom in on his blurry face, just like a million Bigfoot <laughs> yeah. pictures that I've seen. It's and he's so walking good. like Bigfoot. I, again, there's no reason for this, but it's there and it's funny and it's fine. The other detail I really like here is that the uh, the overlay on the news coverage says, ho, ho, hoax? <laughs> Question mark? Yeah. Which I feel like it's, it's hilarious in its own right, but I feel like it's got to be kind of a kind of a callback to Chris Kringle crazy court case coming. <laughs> Calamity cry kid. <laughs> yes. Oh God, the New York one coverage—it's just so—it's so weird. But like, it's—it's it, it's necessary because they got to get the word out and all of that for the for the clausometer, which has hit zero yep. by the way, because Santa has crashed in the in the park and they've lost the. Uh, They've lost the the jet engine, so Buddy has to has to reattach the jet jet engine. I, I think it hit zero when Buddy just was so depressed and like lost all of uh, the joy of everything and it, happiness, and so nobody is full of the Christmas of spirit. That's true. He may have been the only one keeping the sleigh in the air for quite a few years. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and he's lost all hope on the bridge. That's when, uh, instead of Clarence diving into the river, we see the sleigh descend from the heavens as the Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, sure. Mm. So, uh, <laughs> so they do. They find they they meet up in the park. James Conn says that he loves Buddy. Uh, great. Now we can save Christmas. <laughs> and off we go. The Central Park Rangers. They do a decoy, which is James Conn wearing Santa's coat, which doesn't really work very well. <laughs> the Nazgul, useless decoy nope. ever. They're not fooled. They ride right past him. They're not going to be fooled by something like that. But he tried, and I think that's important. He does try. Yes. And and the, the naughty and nice list is taken out, and, and so Michael can read that and, and prove, and that's where he reads off some kids, and we see like the little girl. Thanks, buddy. She's going to get what what she wanted. She wanted. We get the lesson that is also actually straight out of lots of Christmas movies, but especially Miracle on 34th Street, which is um, the the thing about like, a faith is about believing when common sense tells you not to, that everybody just mm-hmm. needs to believe, but we can't show them proof of Santa. They need to believe in Santa without being shown proof, which is their, the philosophical connotations of this uh, value system are are deep and I don't want to get into it. But anyway, a lot of Christmas <laughs> movies play on this on this level. And that's that's the kind of deal that's going on here. So 
you know, also they directly contradict it um, because the clausometer increases when Michael reads his own uh, uh, when he when he has the book and everything. The the clausometer increases a little bit. See, proof and he's like, does well, work, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just so. But immediately, Ed Asner says, "Oh, you can't you can't show him any. You can't show everyone everything. You can't bring the camera crew in. Like they have to believe, etc. Mm. For those reasons." And so it's like, but. Then why did you do that other thing? It's a blip. It's, you know, Michael going from being a complete disbeliever to suddenly believing. That's going to create some kind of a, a disturbance mm. in the Santa Force. The clausometer. <laughs> the other thing is that as the night goes on and people are, I don't know, calling each other on their landline phones to turn on their cable TVs to watch the four by <laughs> three right. standard definition news. Good job, Brian. It, it makes sense that everyone's watching by the end of the night. But at the very beginning of the sequence, as Michael is reading the list, the little girl who is watching on her own personal bedroom four by three standard definition TV on Christmas Eve. That's the one thing that took me out of this movie. Like, why is she watching at this moment in time? Also, it's now like 3 a.m. given all this got on <laughs> yeah. during this day. Right. That's, that's true. I was not at 3 a.m., but I've been that little kid. So shut sure. it, Brian. Thanks, buddy. That's a good point. It's Christmas she's Eve, She's flipping man. around and found night. out that Santa's in Central Park. The word got out that Santa's in Central Park. And she has met an elf, so she knows. It's probably we, we true. We know it's not 3 because Dirk Lawson is still at the bar. <laughs> With the rest so it's got to be before two. Yeah. yeah, exactly. All right, we've worked it out. Great job. The other thing is that this last uh, act of the movie is only 20 minutes, and we've spent a ton of time dissecting every little story bit, but it's only the last 20 minutes or so that all of this stuff is going down. Yep. And I think it's the best uh, strength of the movie that this ending is so perfectly paced. It doesn't feel like it overstays its welcome ever, because something is constantly happening, and there's always moving pieces and reasons for us to keep watching through the end. There's literally nothing else for the movie to do, right? That's the, that's the thing. Yeah. There's no simultaneous... The plot has been... like the, the character arc has been resolved, and now we it's just about saving Christmas. So that's all they have to do here. And we do have the, it does cut back and forth. So we get our wacky kind of New York, uh, uh, New York one on the sidewalk stuff. And we've got the stuff going on in Central Park. And, and there's some funny bits where, you know, Will Ferrell is trying to fix the jet engine at the bottom of, uh, of the sleigh and Santa's got to go and yeah. it's not ready yet and all of that kind of thing. Um, Jovi sees him too. And uh, let's see what, what else they, they, so they sing Joe Jovi, Jovi, uh, leads the crowd because she remembers what buddy said about uh raising christmas spirit by singing for everyone to hear uh and they start singing santa claus is coming to town uh which also actually leads to a funny moment where um michael realizes that james Conn is not actually singing he's just moving his <laughs> mouth as if he's singing yeah he was the key piece too without him santa slay yeah. doesn't santa slay doesn't take off at that moment and he actually plows through a crowd of yeah. onlookers that would have validated the central park rangers that's for sure <laughs> that's where buddy gets that you know 10 percent that he was holding the sleigh up was from his dad mm. yes yeah who among us has not uh pretended to sing while just moving <laughs> our mouth <laughs> yeah this yeah. this scene the the santa claus is coming to town sing along and the earlier uh reveal of of who's on the uh in santa's list i love these bits where we 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 cut to different characters we've seen throughout the movie particularly in the sing-along when you've got like phase on love and all the department store elves singing and dancing along and the two uh department store or not the uh, the empire state guards are singing along and it's just yeah. like it's so sweet to, to get a chance to see all of these various you know bit players in this thing all sort of indulging in the spirit of christmas at the end it's mm-hmm. it's lovely and let's see what else is there. I mean, this is they they save Christmas, hooray! Um, <laughs> and then uh, I mean, at that point, we kind of cut to 
Um, the following year, uh, Walter has started his own publishing company. Bob Newhart's going to tell us all about it. There's, there's a book about Buddy the Elf, um, and Buddy and Jovi uh, have, uh, have brought a, a baby to visit Papa Elf. Why, that moved quickly. Um, <laughs> in, the, in the North Pole, although that might not have been not have been right away, I don't even know. But the, of course, the baby is large, and there's more force perspective. And Bob Newhart is very small because he's an elf, and Will Ferrell wants to sit on him, which is funny because he's enormous, and the elf is very small. And uh, and that and uh, that's uh, that's the movie. That's 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 the movie. Everybody's happy, and they saved Christmas. Hooray! Well, not, not quite. Hooray. Leon Redbone winks. Yes. <laughs> that draws it to a close. My favorite detail in this ending montage is that they give Buddy a giant growler of syrup. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. For Every time. Brian, are you saying that this is a montage at the end of the movie? Yeah, it is. It kind of is a montage. <laughs> Told you. You know, at a couple points in here, I realized I was trying to figure out what I, what I recognize of um, Will Ferrell's performance. And it, it, I was getting a vibe of something else. And I think I figured it out, which is he's a, he's a little bit Garth from Wayne's World. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just a little bit where he's like very enthusiastic, but also very strange. And they're both also like earnest and sweet. Yes. So like, I think you've got something there, Jason. Yeah. Just off off kilter, but, mm-hmm. uh, but enthusiastic and sweet and earnest. You know, you don't have to love all of Will Ferrell's movies. Um, but I think I think this is a a perfect character for him and a perfectly calibrated performance. He goes all out, and it never gets. It, it, it's weird, but never creepy. It's mm-hmm. it, he he keeps Buddy as being just enthusiastic and innocent and loving Christmas. And I feel like that is that is one of the great triumphs of this movie. Is it's basically saying it's okay to feel like we're Will Ferrell. It's okay to open your heart and just be. Um, enthusiastic about the Christmas spirit. You don't, you know, it, it, that's the sweet thing about it. Is he's he's just this pure character, and uh, it works really well. It's uh, it's a it's a great performance. We see enough of him acting this way alone and with the elves that when he's around other humans who would read things, you know, differently or badly, that it doesn't come across to us as the audience as creepy. Yeah, I think we yeah. give him mm-hmm. give him credit for it, right? Because we've seen we know what's in his heart. This is also a, a movie like the best Christmas movies that goes over very well both with adults and kids. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, my kids, b- both when they were small and now that they're bigger, love this movie. I and mean, my son used to think that uh, Arctic Puffin getting crushed by the book in the opening was <laughs> one of the funniest things. And of course, Will Ferrell running headlong into lockers and, and whatnot uh. played well with him. And as he gets older, he's appreciating more of the sort of sappy Christmassy elements of it. But uh, it's it's got a little bit of something for everyone, which uh, I think it's great. My, Tree, apple falling, you know. My kids both love it. And I, I think that, right, that's the that's one of the things about, it. is this a modern classic? It's like, well, yeah, my kids love it and they still love it. And um, that's, uh, you know, that's not a given that that a um, that modern, you know, like teenagers are going to be like, this movie is this old movie is stupid. Why are we watching this? And Elf, right. we told we, my, my daughter, who is now at college, we told her we were watching Elf the other day. And she was like, oh, no, uh, can you just turn on the FaceTime and let me watch it with you? Yeah, so that's good. She, they're, they're like they're like elf, and also she was saying how the that ear that earworm opening theme absolutely. She was like, oh, I hear the music in the background. Like, yeah. I have no way to verify this, but I think tonight rewatching this was the first time I've ever watched Elf outside of my family's living room with the rest of my family. Aw, it's also really rewatchable where the jokes and the humor stay funny, and that's not always the case with a movie which I think 
is part of what makes it a classic because I watch yeah. it at least once every year. Yeah, this is one of those movies where as various scenes come up, I get excited periodically. It's like, oh yeah, I remember this. This is the this is a great scene. And then some time will pass and another scene will come up. Oh, I love this scene too. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't ever feel like, okay, well, I can just skip this because I know what's going to happen. And let's just mm-hmm. go to the, the scene that I really want to watch. I might be known as a little bit of a grouch, but you know, this movie always, no. <laughs> what? It's always it puts a smile on your face. Like you can't, you can't be, you can't be grouchy with this movie. This is, this is a uh, wonderful. And, uh, it really, uh, gives you some of that. I know it's highly commercialized, whatever, blah, 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 uh, sappy, like intentionally, you know, playing on certain things, but it's like, yeah, you, so what? <laughs> it's, it's, it's fun. Uh, and, uh, it makes you, you feel nice about like Christmas time stuff, even though you might be, you know, stressed about like going to social events and buying things and doing everything on a schedule and traffic from all that. <laughs> but, uh, you, you just, you know, have a minute to sit down and you watch this and you're just like, oh yeah, this is a great time of year. And, uh, this is somebody who's actually enjoying it because to him, like he doesn't have any burdens. So it's, it's, yeah. uh, it's right. nice to see it through that lens. You never get the impression watching this that anybody involved in the making of it had their heart in the wrong place. This mm-hmm. whole yeah. thing just seems like it was a, a labor of love. Yeah. From the writing to the acting, to the directing, to the, you know, the various references to Christmas classics. And it's 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 hard not to find it infectious. Yeah, they never bring up any of the negative parts of the season in this movie. I feel like modern Christmas movies really try to be irreverent and bring up like, oh, man, don't we all hate Christmas exchanges? Don't we hate going to all the awkward holiday parties? They never do any of that in this movie. It's 100 percent wholesome and excited about Christmas. Yeah, before I watched this, the fear that I had hearing that there was a Will Ferrell based Christmas movie (laughs) was that this was going to be like a straight out like parody of Christmas or, you know, just a, just a complete farce. Um, and I assumed that it was, it was definitely not going to be a fun Christmas movie or certainly not a modern classic. And I was shocked when I finally watched this, what, what the film really was, because uh, everything about what I heard about the movie up until I started hearing the first reviews made me want to run away very quickly. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Me yeah. too. But the sincerity really wins you over. Absolutely. Yeah, I never found Will Ferrell particularly repellent. I actually kind of enjoyed his work on Saturday Night Live just because I I enjoy his over-the-topness, but I 100% get why that would rub people the wrong way. Um, I actually watched some of the bonus materials on the DVD after watching the film this time, and there's a a bit where they just sort of follow him around to make up and to a, a, a standard day on the set for him, you know, putting on his costume and all that stuff. And, uh, I was sort of afraid that he would spend the whole time feeling like he's got to be on and he'd be mugging. And he's like the most down to earth, chill, relaxed, not trying to throw jokes in every couple of seconds guy. And and, uh, it shocked me. I was really surprised because that was not how I expected him to be when he's sort of off camera, but not really. I mean, they're filming special features, obviously, at the same time. So I, I could see where the pressure would be on for him to be, you know, wacky and hilarious and it, it humanized him a lot more than I was expecting. It's it's it was interesting. 
I really like his movie, uh, Stranger Than Fiction. Yes. Which is very different again. And I think between Elf and that movie, I cut him, uh, like, I don't love everything he does, but I feel like he's a lot more versatile than he chooses to be or is given opportunity to be. Because Stranger Fiction Than Fiction, I just, I I love that movie. And I really love, yeah, and it really had me the moment he bought 12 flowers and they were like flowers for baking. I don't know, it's just so charming and delightful and he's he's so like it still kind of captures some of the like again you say that commitment to the character but also the quirkiness but in a much more subtle way and uh yeah it's just oh you know what he's much more talented than i think i thought he was just because of some of the roles he's played where he's just it's the whole snobbiness to think about comedy too where you just assume someone who's doing good comedy isn't as talented as someone who does good drama so like, yeah. When you can pull off something like Buddy the Elf yeah. and, and make it lovable somehow, yes. you're going to get a lot of people calling to put you in more movie roles like that. Yeah. And not a lot of people trying to put you in serious or semi-serious movies. All right. Uh, I'm going to close up the old Santa's red, infinitely back deep in the vault. bag and put the movie back in the vault, in the holiday vault where it remains, where we placed it back in 1843 when we did that episode. <laughs> Next year, we'll do Black Christmas. <laughs> Yay! Um, Yay! So I'd like to thank my panelists for taking a little time out of their holiday season, uh, sip some eggnog, and uh, enjoy a conversation about Elf. Annette Weirstra, thank you for being here. Thank you. I'm going to take my remaining syrup and pour it over some spaghetti. Okay. That's not syrup. <laughs> Brian Hamilton, mm-hmm. thank you. I had a really wonderful time, and I'll talk to you again next time. Oh, wait, I forgot to give you a hope. <laughs> <laughs> Kathy Campbell, thank you. We're not worthy. We're oh, not see, worthy. <laughs> nice. uh, Will Ferrell commits. Steve Lutz, thank you. We did it. Congratulations. <laughs> World's best podcast about <laughs> Elf. <laughs> Great job, everybody. Uh, Erica Ensign, thank you. I think anybody who doesn't enjoy Elf is a cotton-headed ninny muggins. Oh. <laughs> Joe Steele, thank you so much for being here. You sit on a throne of lies. I do. Oh, he's an an angry elf. (laughs) Must be from the South Pole. Six inch ribbon curls, honey. Six. (laughs) That's impossible. Six inches. Six inch. (laughs) And thank you to everybody out there for listening. Happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Happy elf time. Well, go watch elf. It's good. And we will see you next week. Is a movie coming out? Is there a Star Wars movie coming out? Whatever. Whatever.